appreciation for that, some of which I've shared, some of which I won't share. And, uh, you know, um, bottom line is we got to do a better job. And, um, you know, how we do what we do is a very um, proven uh, system, you know, in how we practice, how we train, how we meet, uh, how we correct, all of those things. So uh, I feel very good about that. Head football coach Brent Venables talking about the system that they have in place is uh, been tested, it's been proven, so they're going to stick with it. Like their practice schedule, their uh, recovery schedule, their conditioning schedule, all of those things. You know, we've heard the. It's not an excuse, but it's more of a question than anything. Are they tired? Uh, just trying to look for reasons why we're seeing some of the play. And, you know, I'm not buying that. You're six games in, everyone's tired. All right? it's, it's, a, it's a long, grueling season. It really is. It's, it's physical. It, it starts all the way back, you know, in last week of July. And it's just a, it's a day-in, day-out grind. And it's that same way for everyone. So um, I'm not buying that. So I'm, it'll turn. You know, hopefully it's this week. Hopefully it's, you know, as the season progresses, you know, start to start to get some of that confidence back and things turn. But, you know, okay, this year, even if it does continue to be a struggle, I still am incredibly confident that it's going to turn. Uh, the question you posed before the break, um, what we what we most want to see more than anything, I just want to see blank. And we'll More get to some anything, text. I just want to see blank. But I, I wanted to get ours first, and uh, if you don't mind, I'll lead off here. You know what, man? Okay. More than anything, I just want to see this defense make a quarterback feel uncomfortable. You know, there were two things uh, more than anything else that I was disappointed in last week against Texas. There are a lot of things I was disappointed in, but two were at the top. One, their inability to take advantage of opportunities earlier in the game to put themselves in a better situation going into halftime, that was disappointing two, to me. Two, the fact that you still have to pay for crap out there at the fair with tokens or yeah, coupons tickets. or whatever it is. Yeah, tickets. and I uh, spent $70 on, uh, on that. Yeah, yeah, don't remind <laughs> me. You're, three things that I was really disappointed in last week. But number two is the fact that when I left the Cotton Bowl at halftime to get those coupons and get food, I broke more of a sweat than Quinn Ewers did the entirety of the football game. He's a quarterback coming off an injury that didn't play for a month, and it was a clean pocket all day long, man. You, you, You didn't hit him. You didn't get to him. You didn't make it feel uncomfortable. What, this defense hasn't had a sack since the Nebraska game? This is a backup quarterback, Jason Bean, and maybe he has as much confidence as a backup quarterback as you could hope because he played well last week and he played well against OU uh, last year. But, man, more than anything, I want to see OU get to the quarterback, make a backup quarterback feel uncomfortable. That's what I want. Yeah, and that makes sense. Uh, If you're pressuring the quarterback, you know, because he will make some really, really bad mistakes. He he has seen that. You know, he made a a really bad throw, bad interception last week against Texas Christian University. We know that it will happen, especially it will happen under duress. Um, for me, more than anything, I just want to see us get off to a fast start. I 
how the 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 positive reinforcement and confidence that it would give the defense if Dylan Gabriel took the field, just took the offense right down, punched one in for seven. And I'm not talking about uh, a zero-yard run, a two-yard run, and then a 75-yard touchdown pass. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a 10-play drive, smooth, efficient, run, pass, maybe even Dylan Gabriel pulling it down and getting out there and running a little bit, getting a first down and getting a massive uh, round of applause from the, the crowd, knowing that he's he's back and he's going to be playing at, at full tilt, running the football and everything, and give that defense the comfort of knowing that we've got a lead, let's just go out there, let's relax and play good, sound, smart football. We don't have to do anything outlandish just settle into the football game. I think that would go a long way. Text line says, more than anything, I want to see this season end. Let softball begin. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, more than anything, I want to see assignment sound defense and productive turnover-free offense. Well, hey, your yeah. quarterback tomorrow still hasn't thrown an interception, if that means anything. There you anymore. go. There you go. God, isn't that like the craziest stat of the year is that – what if, what if I would have told you before the year, hey, six games in, Gabriel won't have thrown an interception, but this team will still be 3-3? Three and three. Yeah, well, they've lost three straight games, and uh, I haven't turned it over in any of the – well, they've only turned it over once in those games, right, TCU? Yeah, I think that's it. Yep. Yeah. Pretty they, wild. They got an interception against Texas, the defense did, but yeah. Uh, more than anything – I just want to see zero blown coverages. If a guy beats you one-on-one, that's one thing. But for the love of God, no more free runners. I got bad news. I got bad news. And I agree with that sentiment 100%. I'm just telling you, <laughs> this offense that Kansas runs, it lends itself to free runners. And I'll, I'll tell you right now. I will make this statement. If, and it is a big if, but if Oklahoma doesn't have any free runners down the field against Kansas tomorrow, not only do we win, but we win big. Yeah, I can, uh, I can buy into that one. Uh, more than anything, Lane in California wants to see energy. Energy will get yeah. this win and hopefully get the program back on their way and keep us in the game on the uh, national stage in the future. Yeah, ho hopefully this team got a little bit of juice coming out tomorrow for an 11 a.m. kick. I, I would hope that's right. the case. Yep. Uh, there's no reason not to. Uh, you've already dropped three. No reason to be tentative now, right? You've already gone through that that hurt and the embarrassment, and, you know, that, that, that stuff is gone. Now it's time to just cut it loose, not even worry about it. More than anything, I want to see this offense clicking like it did the first three games. Control the game. It will help out our defense and keeps the crowd into it. That, that's The last point there is a really good one. You know, if we're talking about what the crowd might be on Saturday um, for an 11 a.m. kick, well, the way that you keep those fans interested and kind of the atmosphere at a you know at a relatively you know decent high, you're going to have to get off to that fast start that you're talking about, and the offense is right. going to have to play well. Yep, I agree. 
Oh, the weather tomorrow is going to be awesome. It's supposed to be like 75 degrees at kick. Sweet. And uh, it's going to warm up throughout the, the game, no doubt, but it's going to be beautiful. Well, that's great. I'll, I'll take the UTEP temperature if they win tomorrow. I'm willing to sit through that <laughs> again right. for, for the, just for this team to win. I, hey, I like that. Willing to take a sacrifice for the team, I, At this point, um, and I'm always willing to take a sacrifice, but at this point, I definitely am. I can't read some of these more than anything I want to see, but I'm sure you can use your imagination on what the uh, text line is saying and some of these fill the blanks. Sure. More than sure. anything, I want OU to not get embarrassed by KU this Saturday. Uh, more than anything, I just want to hear awesome recruiting news from this weekend and a win, of course. Like we said, you got three uh, four-star defensive linemen. Like Not just those guys, but those are the headliners. Derek LeBlanc is committed out of the state of Florida. Tecelia Cotta, four-star edge, is in town, number one player in the state of Stuck. Utah, top 100 player nationally. Caden McDonald, 300-pound-plus defensive lineman who that's kind of a guy that you're looking to put in the middle of your defense moving forward. Where's he from? Uh, North Gwinnett, Georgia, I want to say, which is around the Atlanta area. That that sounds like a D. Lyman factory uh, area. Yeah, right right around Atlanta. Yes. How many many Waffle Houses do they have out there? A ton. Been to Atlanta several times in my day. It's Hooters and Waffle Houses make up 80% of the restaurants in that area. Yeah, um, that's awesome. I hopefully we can uh, we got one committed out of that group. Hopefully we can uh, pluck a, at least another one. I think that'd go a long way. Akana, man, he is. I think he's got the potential to be just an unbelievable player. Really, at college what have you and seen? at the next level. What have you seen? You watching some huddle films or what? Yeah, just I, he the the length that he has right now, and he is he's going to grow into his frame. Like I don't know what he's listed at right now, um, but he the kid is going to end up being a giant. He and he's got some unbelievable skills. He started off playing like corner or something. Six Ridiculous. four two twenty five is what he's listed at right right he's now. Si- he, yeah, he's 6'4", 225, but uh, he's probably going to end up being, you know, 6'4", 265 or something like that. He's going to be gigantic. So, uh, and he can run. He, he's I, – I, I really like him a lot. Yeah, well, he's got every offer that you could want. Uh, LSU, OU, Texas, Alabama, Georgia – I'm sure A&M's $2 million offer has come in already. Michigan's offered him, Ohio State. Basically, the who's who has offered him. He's Yeah, he's, he's legit. What's everyone saying? What's the um, – who's got the edge? OU is what it sounded like for several months. Now, I, can, I already know the text line. Well, I thought David Hicks was a guarantee, too. I, I can yeah. already see those coming across. And, yes, that, that David Hicks happened a couple weeks ago. But the thought for – Several months now is that OU has been in the lead, and there's one crystal ball in for him, and it's it's to OU. Yeah. Well, um, I know that I'm sure Texas will have something to say about that. I don't know. I don't know about A&M. Have no idea there, um, but I'm sure Texas will probably factor in and 
I don't know. I guess what uh, it says here on his page, LSU also. Yeah, well, okay, so he was at LSU last weekend to see them get destroyed by your Tennessee Vols. He was at Texas for the Alabama game, and I think his sister plays volleyball there. I think there's the connection. And he's going to obviously be at OU this Saturday, and he's taking a visit to A&M, I think, uh, later on this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we'll see. I think that would be a huge addition. Um, it's rare that you see a a four-star kid that's graded out as high as he is, best player in Utah, uh, top five edge player in the country, top 50 uh, national recruit. And like, I think like, I would classify him as like a – He's not he's not a project project or like a like a developmental case, but I I think that where he is now is not anywhere close to where he's going to end up. If that makes sense. Like it's kind of usually whenever you see these highly ranked recruits at this at this level, they're usually already almost tapped out on their like size and speed and skills and stuff like that. I think his ceiling is is Right, through the roof, yeah. even higher. So, so. Um, I- I- interesting because you're trying to get him committed. That would um, – I don't know if that would get you to the number two class or not, but if you get him, you're looking good to stay there at least at number three. But Parker was talking to Eric McCarty, in-state commit that they have last night, and yeah. Eric McCarty's comments were, you know, th- this is a class that can change the program. You know, like kind of be the cornerstone class that, you know, really gets things going to where they're really headed in a championship direction. And you know that that's what the staff is selling, not only the current commits, but guys like Cecilia Kana. And and I'm sure that's not a surprise to very many people, but that's their their pitch right now is you you be a part of this 2023 class, you're going to be the cornerstone class that people are talking about. It was that 2023 class that really helped uh, get things going for OU when they really turned it around with Brent Venables. That's their pitch. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a pretty good pitch um, to have. I mean, honestly, it's not a bad one to have. Well, you know, I hope I, that's probably the pitch, but I also hope that some of that is organic from those guys that have already committed just talking and staying in contact with one another because that stuff happens. You know, I, everyone, like there's, there's a sense of camaraderie, like once these guys all get committed and they're all in the same class and, um, you know, everyone, they've got these super high goals and expectations of what they want to do and um, everyone kind of, you know, gets binded together by that. So good stuff. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hanging out at the new location for Toby Keith's. I love this bar and grill. Still got the spot in Bricktown. But they've opened a new one right out in front of the Warren Theater here and more, right off of I-35. Uh, great menu, all kinds of great stuff. Slow smoked brisket, fajitas, uh, the green chili mac and cheese, soft tacos and enchiladas. And uh, they've also got the old favorites like the fried, cat fr- uh, fried catfish and chicken fried steak. Stay tuned. More from The Rush coming up. Opinions. You've got them. We want to hear them. Sound off 24-7, 365 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. At 4.05. Football Friday on the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, 
getting you ready for the 11 a.m. kickoff tomorrow on ESPN2. It's OU and Kansas. Sooners currently sit as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. But it's time for our uh, under-the-radar feature brought to you by Boyd Street Ventures. Boyd Street Ventures, they are investing in OU Innovation. They're a venture capital firm that funds and guides promising Sooner startups. For more information, go to BoydStreetVentures.com. That's BoydStreetVentures.com. How about an under-the-radar storyline throughout this three-game losing streak? And we kind of brought it up a little bit yesterday. But Eric Gray feels like, you know, even with the struggles here recently, he started to play much better football than what we saw last year. And it really is under the radar, Teddy, because the stats aren't going to pop out at you at all. He had 59 yards last week against Texas, but just on 11 carries. 60 yards against TCU on 13 carries and 114 yards on 16 carries against Kansas State. It's under the radar. We haven't really talked about it all that much, but he kind of has been an under-the-radar player, I guess you'd say, over the course of the past three weeks. He's emerged as your number one back. Yeah, and I think that that's going to continue to build. I really do. Um, You know, he's got over 500 yards rushing. He's on pace for a 1,000-yard season. He's averaging, you know, over six and a half yards a carry, which is incredible. And, you know, he's also been a factor in the passing game as well. Not huge, but, you know, some some critical plays where he's been able to, to be a safety valve. And, you know, they hit him on that one um, that one play. Gosh, what game was that? Was that the first game of the year whenever they hit him on that little – um, that vertical route from the from when he motioned out yeah, of the backfield. Yeah, uh, y- y- yes, I think that was that that game. Yeah, so right? he's been dangerous yeah. in the passing game as well. And you know, as you as as things get difficult, and you have to you know find ways to to find your way out of a funk. You lean on your best players, right? You leaned on Braden Willis against Texas in the Wildcat stuff. Uh, you're going to have to lean on Eric Gray. Uh, they need to lean on Marvin Mims as well now that Big they've got time. Dylan Gabriel back and start stretching the field vertically. So, yeah, I I agree. And, and you know, his play has gone under the radar, but I think another under-the-radar under, under the radar storyline with Eric Gray is the health factor. I think he's, think he's getting his way back healthy as well after, you know, being a little bit banged up in that TCU game. Obviously, he played against Texas, but, you know, still maybe feeling some of the results from that uh, from that injury he took at TCU. So, hopefully he's feeling better and uh, has a big influence on the outcome of the game. Under the Radar feature, sponsored by Boy Street Ventures. They are supporting OU Innovation by funding startups within the OU ecosystem. For more information, go to BoydStreetVentures.com. We'll have our Under the Radar player Uh, coming up on Monday's show at 420. But appreciate Boyd Street Ventures for their support of the rush and uh, the ref as well. So speaking of the running game, you and I were both saying yesterday that we feel like there's a chance that OU could have a nice day on the ground. I was trying to go back today and look and see how well KU has defended the run. Um, TCU had 144 yards on 31 carries. Iowa State had 26 yards on 30 carries. Dang. Mm. Duke had 139 yards on 35 carries. And Houston had 174 yards on 34 carries. 
So they've been pretty good, and they really haven't let up the big play on the ground, seemingly. What have you noticed from this KU uh, run defense so far throughout the last four games or so? We should be able to take advantage of their defensive line on the interior. Their best players are their edge guys. Phelps is an absolute beast, um, you know, but I, I think that we can definitely do some stuff up the middle. Um, and I think that plays right into the, the Wildcat stuff, you know, some of the heavy run game on the interior. You can help uh, kind of take some of those guys um, on the edge out of it a little bit. So I think that their run defense can be exploited, but, you know, they do have some really good players right there on the edge, man. Those guys, uh, spell, uh, Phelps specifically, is he's a big dude, six foot five. He's a legit Division One stud edge guy. So um, their backers, I think, are just okay. So I, I think their run defense can be exploited. Our run, de- our, our run offense is good, and I know – Everyone's going to say, "How can you say that? Look at the, uh, you know, look what happened in the Texas game. We were getting stuffed. We were getting stuffed because we had absolutely zero pass. Right? We couldn't even attempt a pass down the field. So Texas had everyone right there packing the line of scrimmage in the box. Eric when Gray, our Dylan- uh, under the radar storyline, he had to throw a pass on Saturday. That's yeah. how bad it was. Yeah, a they jump had a, pass had a running back throwing a jump pass so like once we introduce dylan gabriel back into the mix and the passing game is back up and running the in my opinion our rushing attack is i think it has a chance to look the best it's looked all season this week yeah hopefully so um back to eric gray because i was going to bring up you know maybe if the run game isn't isn't there do we see more of Braden Willis in that Wildcat at quarterback. And I definitely think that there's a chance we see that. But who do we see more in that package? Because Eric Gray ran it too, man. Do we see more of Braden Willis in that spot or Eric Gray in that spot tomorrow? I don't know. I think if, if if they use it, I think you'll see both. And I think it'll be the hot hand after that if you're having success with it whoever is is doing it like i think you'll come back to it i think the eric gray stuff is way easier to implement um there's a lot less moving parts i think the Braden willis stuff feels a little bit more goal line and short i like Braden willis running it i mean it worked well last week the only thing is like i might like eric gray better as a compliment to Braden Willis, because that means he can be out on the edge blocking in that spot. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, I think either or is is good. You know, the, the thing that was great about the, the Braden Willis one is the way they were able to stress you uh, vertically downhill and horizontally with the Jalil Farouk stuff, right? They were either giving it to him uh, on the quick, or they were faking, giving it to him and running the counter back the other direction. That stresses the defense. That's what I like about that one. Yeah. Well, also, that's that's another guy that's got a chance. And I think we're talking about best case. Who, the Farouk kid? Yeah, it feels like um, – it kind of feels like he's um, he's starting to emerge a little bit. And that's crazy off of a 49 nothing 
loss last week, but he had five carries for 60 yards. You can tell he's got some shake, or as we like to say, some wiggle in the open field. A little bit of wiggle. A little bit of wiggle yeah. out there when he's got the ball. So I, I, yep. um, I'm, I'm interested to see what Jaleel Farouk throws out tomorrow. There, Mims is going to get his touches, no doubt, but it kind of feels like Farouk might be settling into their number two receiver. All right, well, tell me, you said Mims is going to get his touches. What does that even mean? You know exactly what it means. Because he had one for negative two yards against Texas. Well, yeah, they had a tight end playing quarterback last week, exactly what you just said. Asking you, what does that mean numbers wise? Um, I think he is. I, I won't go with total receptions, I'll just go with like total targets. I think he'll have. I think he'll have 11 total targets tomorrow. Uh, veiled shot at Dylan Gabriel's accuracy there by just going with targets. Um. <laughs> I actually wasn't, but I can see how it could be taken as that. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say, seven targets? I said 11 targets. Oh, 11 yeah. targets. Boy, I hope so. I hope so. Um you what just you can't, like, this? and that's what I said earlier this week is, you know, regardless of what happens, if you, you know, lose, win by 28, barely win, your best player had one touch for negative two yards last week. Regardless of what happens, yeah. you got to come out of this game saying, well, we gave our best player on our team plenty of opportunities to make plays. That's down the field, that's bubble stuff, that's short stuff, whatever. I just, you can't go out not, and, and plus, like, I, I don't, how, how does he feel coming out of last week? I mean, he, I, I, he's he got to be seriously frustrated, I would imagine. Yeah, watching him during the game, yeah, you, you really You felt. would like to keep him uh, next year. That would be ideal. So I, a good way to do that is to try and get him 11 touches tomorrow. Yeah, I agree. Um, let me ask you this question. Let's say right now, Offensive coordinator Jeffrey Lebby knows that Dylan Gabriel is going to be able to run the football tomorrow. All right? They're going to call his number. Now, would you prefer right out of the gate, maybe first play of the game, to plant the seed with Kansas that Dylan Gabriel is going to be able to – he's going to be running the ball, he's going to be active in the run game? have him pull it right out of the gate, or do you keep that in your back pocket until later if you need it? Well, that kind of depends on how you think the game's going to go. I think it's going to be a tight game, so I think you um, I, I think you throw it out there maybe a little bit later on in the game. But yeah. I can see, you know, if, if you were to do it, the opening play of the game, that might change the way how they defend your run game, you know? Because right. I, I wonder if, they're, if KU's coming into this thing saying, hey, if they're going to go with any uh, you know, zone read stuff, whatever, um, you, you key in on the running back. We don't trust Gabriel to pull and keep it. So that might change some things, but I'd, I'd rather it be on a really big play, potentially, where it's just wide open. Yeah. Yep. Yep, you're maybe right. Fourth, fourth down or something late where you've got to be able to convert. He hadn't uh, kept the football or run with it in the passing game either for the entirety of the game, and then all of a sudden you keep it on the back end. Yeah. That would be good, but I I do expect him to be a runner with the football in the game tomorrow. I, you know, whether it's some off schedule stuff where he pulls it down in the passing game or 
straight up dialed up from the um, from the coach's booth. I expect just it slide. to happen. Just slide. Even if you're wide I don't open. Know. Even if you're wide open in the end zone, just slide into the end zone. Are you sure? You know, if you think about it, when you slide, the last thing that's exposed is your dome. Maybe you should just dive face first. There was it a, may be it may actually be safer. There was a uh, question on uh, I think it was Twitter last night of you know, when are when are offensive coordinators and head coaches going to tell their quarterbacks just to slide head first? Because that is seemingly happening more this year than ever. Or maybe we're just experiencing it for the first time in a while this year. I don't know. But it does feel like more quarterbacks are taking helmet-to-helmet hits while sliding. Well, yeah, it really is crap, the whole thing is. Like, you have all, all of these quarterbacks, they're runners, okay? They, they run with the football, and they don't just do it sometimes. They do it routinely, and they create huge plays on the field whenever they do it. So you got defensive guys like busting their you-know-what to get over there, and then right at the last second you're going to give yourself up. The whole thing is just it's, – it's dumb, in my opinion. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on. New location for Toby Keese. I love this bar and grill right outside of the Warren Theater. we got happy hour Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 with $1.50 off all domestic beers. Stay tuned. It is the rush on the ref. It's a football Friday, and we call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Let's get to it. Story number one is. Oh, I had to start here. Um, I thought this was funny. You know, Iowa, they're getting hit hard right now because of how bad their offense is, and it's been historically bad through the first six games. Um, And – the offensive coordinator is Brian Ferentz, Kirk Ferentz's son, which obviously uh, draws, the, you know, you know all the criticism that that's going to get. Listen to this. So Iowa is 131st in the country in total offense out of, yes, that's right, 131 uh, possible programs. Um, here's the breakdown on how much Ferentz makes so through the first half of the season he's made four hundred fifty thousand dollars here's how that breaks down sixty four thousand dollars per touchdown five thousand dollars per first down nice two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars per passing touchdown ninety thousand per rushing touchdown three hundred dollars per yard and twelve hundred dollars per play just that's awesome whoever whoever uh, dug that up (laughs) no it's amazing and he is there is a lot of um offensive coordinators in college football taking heat I don't think there's none there's there's not anyone other than him and it's because he's the the coach head coach's son which everyone's screaming nepotism up there in Iowa City I don't blame him oh yeah oh yeah okay now this one is interesting I saw this um, the other day, and it, and it surfaced again here. I thought it was a joke the other day. But um, the Gen Zers, okay, that's the, uh, I don't know, is that the same as the Millennials? It's the, it's the born in the mid to late 90s um, through the early 2010s. 
So they've got this big beef with one of the emojis that is used really often by uh, people in the workforce that they work with that they feel like don't realize how hurtful this emoji is. Do you know what it is? Can you guess? Um, is it the eyeball emojis that Muleshoe uses all the time? Is that is that hurting the Gen Zers? Hurts nope, me. No, nope. It's the thumbs up emoji. Oh, gosh. <sighs> they think that the older people that they work with don't recognize how passive aggressive it is and how hurtful it is. <laughs> no. Why? It's just a thumbs up. Why do we have to find everything to be upset about? Why can't we just be happy? Why? Everything's got to be so upsetting. God. Isn't it hilarious that it, that a thumbs up emoji makes someone feel uncomfortable? It's uh, it's quite. I don't know if hilarious the, is the story. word I use. I, I'd like no, to get around true. mentally and use the word hilarious, but it's frustrating more than anything. Frustrating. Okay, this one you'll like. They're making a movie about John Daly. I saw this. Jonah Hill's going to play him. I don't know when it's set to come out or if they've even started filming yet, but um, you got to imagine it's going to be awesome. I don't know like what the what the plot is. If it's just like a story of his life, or if there's there's like I don't know like like if if there's like a like a story here, like he's gonna, like they've got him doing something and going on uh, to win something. I don't know what it is, but Jonah Hill's gonna play it, uh, play John Daly. So I don't know. That's got to be awesome. Yeah, However Jonah they pull Hill. It off, it's gonna be great. Jonah Hill will never be uh, barefoot as long as he will be while uh, filming this. And go ahead and start smoking <laughs> and drinking, Jonah Hill. Go ahead and start doing yep. it if you want to play John Daly and, and get used to being comfortable in front of a in front of a slot machine. And John Daly would agree with all those things I'm saying. He's like, yeah, it's my lifestyle, man. Pour down somewhere between 25 and 50 Diet Cokes a day. Uh, that's that's how you how you get, get the thing rolling. That's all I got. Um, I, I've got a few here. And first, this, this one doesn't have necessarily to do with anything relevant going on in college football this weekend. It does have to do with the former Sooner. I had no idea until this morning that Brandon Shelby – is the corners coach at Indiana? He's been there twelve seasons. He's been there. He went there when uh, Wilson went. Yeah, and, and what Tom Allen, I think, is still the head coach there. But mm-hmm. that's a guy that you played with, and I had no idea Stuck. that Brandon Shelby was coaching. Yeah, he, he was a good player. No idea that he was up there. Good for him. Carved yeah. out a nice career. Yeah, stud. I think he spent a little bit of time, maybe at Washington State as a GA or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well, but yeah, he's uh, he's he's done really well for himself. Yeah, um, Peyton Manning is the guest picker tomorrow on College Game Day. Does that do anything wow. for you? Wow, it'll be good. He he he'll handle that situation good. It'll be funny. Um, he'll bring something to the table. Some of those people just just don't get it. I think he gets it, and, and I'm sure it'll be excellent. Um, last one I have is, and this broke I think right when we were off the air yesterday. The Big 12 is in the process of finalizing its football schedules for the 23 and 24 seasons. Uh, The conference is working on a rotation for a 14-team conference that obviously includes BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, but also uh, OU and Texas, which apparently, according to this report, they're going to be in the league for two more years. Now, they're going to go without divisions, 
in 23 and 24. But it almost seems like Fox like is the driving force here, uh, which I guess you could call it a, a Fox block here of OU not going to the SEC. But it, 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 this report sounds makes it sounds pretty sure that OU and Texas aren't leaving until after 2024, which I don't buy, but there was interesting wording in this article on CBS. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. You know, mm. all of that stuff is they've got to plan ahead. They've got to be proactive putting those, those schedules together. You know, I still maintain that it's going to happen quicker than, than what they're letting on especially if they're wanting to expand the playoff and all of that stuff. They, I, I feel like they kind of need to get everything set. But, you know, the, the TV deals that are lingering are the real uh, holdup here. You know, the Big 12 needs to get a new TV deal done, and the Pac-12 needs to figure out what their situation is going to be. And um, I think that's kind of the, the fly in the ointment at the time being. And, you know, OU can't say that they're leaving earlier, and I don't even know that the Big 12 – can necessarily say that so it's not shocking that they're doing this and you know frankly i i, I want to go to the sec i want to go to the sec as soon as possible but i is as, as competitive as the big 12 is right now and with all the teams that we're adding i mean depending on what the schedule looks like it could be really cool what uh, if Britt venable's got to make the decision when would ou roll to the sec at the end of this year, in two years, in three years, what would it what would it look like if, if he had the say? Probably, probably stay the entire time through the contract, because you know they've got a lot of things that they are working towards, trying to redo the roster or or help build the roster. You know they've got some facility upgrades that are in store that you know that aren't ready and and won't be ready for some time. So if you could buy as much time as you as you possibly can for those things to get completed then that would probably be best case scenario yeah so. i yeah I, I i could see that being the case um got the hourglass is he still got the hourglass on the table in his office i, I wonder if that was just an off-season thing or not he might have uh shattered it on the fireplace <laughs> or something um recently i don't know all right, hey, we got to hit a quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on, hanging out the new location for Toby Keese. I love this bar and grill. Remember, we got happy hour Monday through Friday, three to seven, dollar fifty off all domestic beers. We're right out in front of the Warren Theater off I thirty five in Moore. Stay tuned. The Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bring you hour number two of the rush on this football Friday as we get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439 if you want to interact with the show. Patrick says, legit question. Would it be safe to say that they could run a different defense that better fits the personnel but wants everyone to learn his system now so everyone gets it better for the future? What would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And that's kind of the it's kind of the thing that's that's what I was talking about. I think I had this conversation on here earlier this week about you know the three man front versus the four man front and, and everything. Like Vittables is he's preparing these guys for an elite level defense. And an elite level defense they're gonna be multiple and they're gonna do 
you know, a bunch of stuff. Three-man front, four-man front, uh, you know, different combinations of blitzes and coverages on the back end. And, you know, you, he's, not, he's not pushing that off until later. They're, they're installing that defense, and that's what they're going to do. They're gonna, he's going to run what he's run where he's had a, a ton of success, and that's what he's, he's going to roll with. And, you know, it's you, – you, and he said this, like you don't – you can't change like, what you do. Like, to a certain extent, you do. Like you always highlight key players and things within, a, within an offense or a defense. But you don't wholesale change what you do because guys aren't, quote, getting it, you know? You, they have to learn to get it. Sure. Or they'll push back on everything and, you know, you'll never be able to install what you truly want to install. So trust the process. Two more. Uh, 14 teams, seven south, seven north in the Big 12 plus two conference. Who's on the north side? Who's on the south side? Hmm. Well, they'll go no divisions if there's 14 teams with OU right. and Texas. And then once they That's go to 12. Said, right? No divisions. Yeah, no divisions. And then once they go to 12. They'll figure out two divisions, and who cares because OU will be off to the SEC by then. This one says, I don't think DG gets enough credit for what he can do with his legs. Underrated aspect of his game. Use his legs early. I think it would help him settle in and make better throws. And it is a fair point because that offense, there's one game in particular where that happened. It was the Nebraska game. And I still think that's the longest run of the year. Once he had that touchdown run, it was it was it was over, and that offense settled in yeah. and and never looked back. Right, yep. Um, there's no doubt. I think you know often whenever you have a backup quarterback or someone making their first start, you call their number in a running player, whether they're a big threat or not, just to let them take a hit and get acclimated to the game. All right, quick timeout. We got the final hour next here from Toby Keith's. I love this bar and grill. 